Welcome to Building Texas with Justin McKenzie and Summer Babarak, sponsored by the Bernie Kendall County Economic Development Corporation and Das Greenhouse. And now, here's your host, Justin McKenzie. Welcome to Building Texas, where we sit down with the most interesting people who are making an impact locally and across the state. We know Bernie is growing and so is Texas, but what does that mean for you? How do you get involved and how do you take an active role in the future of your community? My name is Justin McKenzie, the host of Building Texas. I'm here with Summer Babarak, who helps co-host the conversation and keep it interesting. We're excited to introduce you to the builders and creators, entrepreneurs that are serving Bernie, Kendall County, and Texas as a whole. Thrilled to have Jennifer Milton here with us today. I think it's going to be a wide-ranging conversation, but Jen has a big impact here in the community, and I wanted to shine a light on it. So, Jen, welcome to this conversation. Thanks, Justin, and thanks, Summer. It's really an honor to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you end up in this room, and and what do you do every day to make an impact? Sure. Well, I'm Jennifer, as I said. I'm a nurse. My daughters jokingly call me a fake nurse, and what they mean by that is I really am an administrator. I sort of orchestrate a department at the University of Texas Health San Antonio in partnership with the University Hospital, and what I do is I run the University Health Transplant Institute. We do liver, kidney, and lung transplantation, pediatric and adult. I've been doing that as a career for about 30 years, so moved to Bernie 16 years ago. Now, what brought you to Bernie, Texas? Why Bernie? And then you and your husband became very famous in Bernie. (laughs) I was looking for a change. I was at Medical University of South Carolina. I've been in transplantation for a long time, and there were three positions that do what I do available in the United States. My husband said, Jennifer, I don't care where we go. It's got to have a hockey rink. He's a hockey player. The hockey rink has to have a bar inside of it, and I need an airport. And the hockey rink had to have two sheets of ice, and that was really important when you play adult hockey, if you only have one sheet of ice, the men's leagues games tend to start at midnight. So San Antonio was really of the, I was looking at transplant programs. Uh, The program here has an amazing reputation, two really stellar statesmen that run it. And that was really where I wanted to be. And fortunately, the first interview question is probably the first time in the history of UT Health San Antonio, a person being interviewed asked, can you tell me how many sheets of ice are in the local hockey rink? (laughs) But fortunately, there were two. We interviewed. I got the position. We moved to Texas. Temporary lived in downtown San Antonio, and the realtor probably showed me 300 homes, and nothing just sat with me. One day, he finally said, I know you don't want to commute, but please let me go show you this house in Bernie, Texas. You know, I reluctantly said yes, and as my husband and I drove around the corner towards this house, my husband looked at me, and he said, we just bought that tree, didn't we? And there's this magnificent 300-year-old oak tree right in our front yard, And the trees and the hill country just got me. Two weeks after we moved here, Jay looked at me and said, we're never leaving again. And two weeks and one day after we moved here, a sheet of ice became a lacrosse rink. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) But he was sold on Bernie at that point, so we never left. I'm glad we got him. (laughs) Jay was quite a personality. He had a a big impact and we're going to get into the 0.5K here in a little bit. But I want to talk again about you and the work that you do with UTL Science Center. They're a great partner for our ecosystem here in Bernie and Kendall County, where we're working to introduce entrepreneurs and startups and invest in them. And we've got a community that's really special for that because of the people like yourself that are here. So talk to me about the national organizations that you're a part of as well. Sure. Well, being an organ donation and transplant for 30 years, I I would say we always joke and say you kind of catch the fever. 
It is the most astounding miracle to this day. It takes my breath away to take a patient who really even had last, last rites, or we've told them they probably have 24 hours or less to live. They get that call that an organ's available for them, and you see them transformed. Two days later, they're walking out of the ICU. They go back to live a normal life. And honestly, I, I've told people I think I'm a little bit of a miracle junkie. It, it brings tears to my eyes and changes you in a way every single day, even after 30 years of doing it. I'm really the, you know, head of the orchestra. So my lung team, my liver team, my kidney team, we also run the Texas Liver Tumor Center and the Pancreas Tumor Center. In short, what I would tell you is I go into work every day and I marvel. I marvel at the brilliance, uh, the willingness to leave no stone unturned. I'm so grateful I work and more partners University Hospital. University Hospital is a county hospital. We just were named the number one liver transplant program in the United States. People can't believe that that is a county hospital, but at University Hospital, I think they just believe in humanity and they believe in, in, in people. And if you have a strong will, a strong family behind you, and if you don't, we can help you get those things that you need. And there are real man is we're going to leave no stone unturned to save every patient's life that we possibly can through innovation. We educate, we teach many of the leaders of transplant programs all over the country, fellows and residents and students that are coming through and the staff that we have. I'm so blessed to say that they have the same. They're also miracle junkies. I'm learning things in this conversation. I never would have believed that university was a county or is a county hospital, but it's good to understand. And I think it calls to our region where we really have some powerful, innovative minds around healthcare. I mean, some are what you're doing in biotech and in the healthcare world is a great example of partnering with UTL Science Center and taking it to the public and really finding it in San Antonio and expanding it to the country. Absolutely. And, And I know that there's another startup in San Antonio called Vascular Perfusions, and this is exactly the space that they're working in. I mean, they got breakthrough status from the FDA. They're doing some really, really incredible things to try to help the value chain of organ transplant. And it's it's really interesting, and I wonder if you run into this. I, I, I think I say this on every show, but whenever we're national, you know, traveling and talking about what we do, people are always a little bit surprised that that's happening here. They always think, oh, no, 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 medical innovation, those sorts of things. That's the coasts. That's the coast. And it's like, well, we, we have a coast. Um, we're not on it, but, <laughs> you know. Of course, I work in a narrow niche, right? My, my field of expertise is donation, organ preservation, transplantation, liver cancer, and pancreas cancer. My experience is a little different. My experience is when I go places nationally, they're astounded at what San Antonio is doing. But locally, people don't seem to know it. And when you think about the collaboration, like the AI collaborations that are happening between UT San Antonio, UT Health Science Center, other, you know, the other colleges in town, all and, and private industry in town and how they're partnering together to really come up with these solutions. And, and what I, I laugh about, what is a holy grail? What is the solution they're looking for? And you universally can talk to these researchers, clinicians, educators, and what they're telling you is we're trying to put ourselves out of business. 
I love that. I love that, you know, we want to find cures. We want to be more preventative. We want to really focus on what can we change that affects 2 billion people and helps a single person at the same time. So I, I love the biotechnical and higher ed collaborations that are happening here. But day to day, I don't find that San Antonians and I call them the Bernies. The Bernies. The Bernies. <laughs> the Bernies. Uh, I, I don't think they realize how, how incredibly fortunate we are to have these world-class uh, collaborators right down I-10. Oh, sure. I mean, I think it's, it's, you know, people talk about San Antonio being the biggest small town you've ever been to, you know, because you can't go anywhere without running into somebody that you know. And that's certainly true for our local community here in Bernie. But it's really interesting because it strikes me that it's very much like a very talented athlete that grows up in a small town. You know, they think, oh, yeah, he's a great football player and da, da, da. And then all of a sudden he's the MVP of the league or, you know, quarterback of some, you know, huge Super Bowl winning team and people are like oh he really was a good quarterback it's like yes absolutely and you just thought he was a decent guy you know same kind of thing with our institutions I think right and also positions us and and I'm so grateful for it that um, it it puts us in a position that a lot of these real faculty providers these you know chairmen of cardiology and surgical directors of lung transplantation we really get a chance at our transplant program to pluck the best of the best Absolutely. Can you help me understand, you said that phone call and then the patient, you know, just absolutely transforms. Can you, and I just don't know, can you help me understand, are these organs that get donated, is there like a national logistics that goes into this? How does that work? Sure. So the very kind of fundal underpinnings of organ donation and transplantation is organized by a private contractor that holds a contract with the federal government called the United Network for Organ Sharing, UNOS. Any patient in the United States that needs a transplant, no matter what hospital they're getting their care at, has to be registered on the waiting list through UNOS. And UNOS actually houses, so they house the national waiting list. And when someone passes away and their family or they have chosen to donate their organs, computer systems match up the the intended recipient to that donor organ on an elaborate sort of algorithm. Every organ has a little bit different algorithm. And our transplant center, essentially, my team that's on call for that, when their cell phone pings, you've got an organ offer, you have 20 minutes to say yes. Well, that may sound like a lot of time, but right now we have one of the sickest patients in about a four-state region. She's 18 months old. She's so sick. She's been in the ICU. We made desperate appeals to the public. And sort of day by day, given that she's right at death's door, day by day, you have to just double check all her labs are stable. She's still able to survive big, you know, massive operation, a liver transplant. So we have, when that 20 minute countdown happens, we have an extraordinary amount of assessment to do before we can say yes and sort of move on to the next person. That includes calling a patient. We've called patients average wait for kidney transplant in this part of the country is over five years. Oh, wow. The average life expectancy on dialysis is five years. So the patients were calling in for kidney transplant. They've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting to get that call. Fortunately, you know, surviving by hemodialysis. So I always tell, I speak at a lot of nursing schools and try to encourage people to consider nursing as a career. And I always say, man, I used to think when I was in nursing school, telling somebody it was a boy or a girl in the delivery room was the coolest thing a nurse could ever do. And I got to call a patient and say we had it live. That's the coolest thing you can ever do. I bet. You're listening to Bernie Radio 103.9 FM. We're here with Jennifer Milton learning about the impact that she has 
locally in Bernie and then across the country in a really exciting way. I'm thrilled to know the rest of this story. When we come back from break, I want to ask one more question about the work that you do. And then we're going to dive into the 0.5K and, and learn more about that. This is Justin McKenzie from Building Texas. Today's segment is brought to you by Das Greenhouse. Das Greenhouse is a business incubator launched here in Bernie to serve our local community. Das Greenhouse is a place where you can come to grow your idea. Our goal is to make Bernie accessible to people who are looking to grow a business, expand a business, or learn more about what's out there in their community and get involved. Visit us at dasgreenhouse.org or come visit us at 7 Upper Balconies Road, Bernie, Texas. Das Greenhouse. Welcome back to Bernie Radio 103.9 FM. We are here with Jennifer Milton talking about how she is building Texas. Summer Babarex joining us today as well and, and really having fun with the conversation because the overlap in what Summer does uh, with women's health. couple wrap-up questions on your amazing work and, and the career that you have and, and the impact that you're having. You talked about analytics and data and, and algorithm that puts this together. Is there a place in healthcare today that we shouldn't consider digitally transforming? Is there biotech as an example? Mm-hmm. A lot of people wouldn't say that's a digital environment, but you, you're talking about you have 20 minutes to make a decision. And I only assume you, you don't have much time before that 20 minute decision and the ability to make data assessments and answers really speeds up that process. Am I thinking about that? It's a fantastic question. I think there's only one space where data analytics, biostatistics probably doesn't have a place. And that's when a physician is looking in the eyes of a patient and having a conversation. That work happened beforehand, the conclusions that it led you to. There's nothing that I've ever done in my career that won't be improved by efficiency and big data and all that it offers. I I can't wait. It's the most exciting time in my entire career to look at how much easier we're able to make these decisions. And it's extraordinarily complex. And we don't have 14 hours for me to explain to you the details that go into putting someone on the waiting list, that those algorithms that match the organs, the logistics of you have five hours to transplant the organ, the donor's a six-hour flight away. I, I could go on and on and on. So we are so embracing. And in fact, if any of you listening Google the modernization of the OPTN, you'll see that HRSA, Congress, CMS are almost in a position of aggression and anger that our community of organ donation and transplantation haven't adapted to that as quickly as we should have. So that is underway. President Biden doubled the contract, this federal engine behind um, how we place organs efficiently and rapidly to try to get more people transplanted. That's incredible. So I, I want to take it back just a step because I'm an organ donor on my driver's license. And I kind of want to understand, you were just talking about an 18-month-old patient. In my mind, and I have, I have three children, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, one of my children would have to be the, the 
size of the organ to donate and mine wouldn't work. And so can you walk me through how sure, that works? Sure, I'm going to answer it in two parts and say, if that were to happen to your family, what a gift you live here in San Antonio. We are the second largest living donor program in the United States for livers. In fact, there's only a handful, about 20% of the transplant programs in the U.S. that even do living liver donation. So if you have a viable living donor for kidney donation, which is more common and it's been done for about 40 or 50 years, or you have a candidate who can donate a, a, a liver to you, we actually take about 50% of a live liver donor's liver. And, and it still astounds me, two months after that live liver donation and the transplant, we'll do CAT scans and both livers are normal sized. Wow. That's incredible. Unfortunately, a lot of the diseases that cause these young children to need a liver transplant, and critically for people who need kidney transplants, they're diseases that run in families like high blood pressure and diabetes. And when you go to donate an organ, not only do you need to be safe to get through the surgery, we need you to be healthy great-great-grandparents one day. So we're having to kind of evaluate a live donor. So last year, or year to date, halfway through the year, we've had about 1,200 people contact University Health Transplant Institute to be screened to be a live donor and, and only 36 of those ultimately passed the testing. Wow. So again, we're not just looking that you can make it through surgery as a live donor, but that nothing we do would ever impact your health long term. So that's about 40% of the transplants we do, liver and kidney, are living donation. That's a really remarkable, and that's one of the reasons we were named the number one liver program in the country. But to, to be an organ donor, someone who passes away and donates their organ, you asked if your driver's license was really enough. So we're fortunate in Texas and in most states that although there's a symbol on your driver's license, we actually have an engine behind that a state registry. So when you register to donate, it's legal first person authorization. I love it. I started this, I told you 30 years ago, 30 years ago, everyone who passed away, I, my job originally then was to go ask families and give them, educate them, give them the opportunity to be organ donors. And, and they all had to face that decision for their loved one. People don't talk about death in America. They didn't know what their husband wanted. They didn't know what their mother wanted. But today, flash forward 30 years, 62% of Americans with a driver's license have legally registered to donate. And that means about six out of 10 times, you don't ask the family. You walk in and tell the family, you know, after telling them, you know, despite everything we tried, we weren't able to save your son. He had registered to be an organ donor. It's transformative that because all of a sudden this it, it becomes this incredible sense of pride in the darkest moment to think, oh, he, of course he wanted to be an organ donor. That's him. He wanted to help other people. So it, it is the most amazing thing. Um, the, the, new, the, the way we're really, I'm, I'm chairman, you asked earlier, Justin, about my national volunteer jobs, and there are too many to list because I can't say no, but I'm chairman of Donate Life America. I'm very proud of that. They are the not-for-profit that has really pushed donor registration. And um, Mark Zuckerberg got interested in this when his wife was a fellow and was taking care of patients who were dying on the liver transplant waiting list. And when he and his wife, or at the time, fiance, were talking about it, his comment was that the need for organ donation is a social problem, not a medical problem. And he pushed Donate Life America to create a platform. And that platform, I'll give you the URL now, it's called registerme.com. 
registerme.org, registerme.org. That is, a, it's, it's a registry to register your wishes to be an organ donor that doesn't, isn't state-based. Um, so what he wanted to do was create a platform through Apple iPhones. So when you registered your new phone, you could register to, to be a donor. 5,000 Americans now register. 11 Americans have registered through registerme.org. And in Texas, after you finish registering to be an organ donor through registerme.org, it will then ask you if you'd like to be a living kidney donor. And we're very proud to say that um, we've about 15 transplants have happened since we launched that pilot. And Texas was the state that it's being piloted in. So that's um, amazing. Absolutely. I get this all the time. I have O negative blood, so I'm the universal donor on blood donation. And so we always joke anytime I have to have, you know, blood drawn, I'm like, I'll just take a couple extra because I know you guys love it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for doing that. Thank you for doing that. Well, thank you. I I really have enjoyed learning about your work outside of the way I've come to know you and locally, the impact that you've had on Blessings in a Backpack and our community and Bernie in general. So let's dive back into your story, Jay's story. I'd really love to understand the origin of the Bernie 0.5K and then it got viral. (laughs) Right. So I will start this by saying Jay Milton was my husband. We uh, were uh, desperately in love with each other for 32 years. And uh, I I tell people he died of happiness, but he passed away really unexpectedly December 18th of 2021. And I I don't think he he ever slept. He, He could he organized and orchestrated unbelievably un- incredible things. He was jokingly referred to as the lay mayor of Bernie because he he wanted none of the responsibility, but he he liked to really point out. So he was very active in uh, the Keep Bernie Quaint campaign and certainly starting Bernie Point 5K and many local nonprofits and even in business development for the Hill Country Mile. So he loved the community and really he he felt uh, very much that um, you needed to be a part of your community, community and you need to be civic minded. Jay also really loved beer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who doesn't? Well, well, we had to compete with him one night at the Angel Network because we were outside in the back and I was having an event and all of a sudden I see Jay setting up and it's a cornhole tournament and he's got a DJ and he's got 200 people there and it's a who's who of playing cornhole oh and my. I'm trying to pitch a, a medical <laughs> device company. and uh, Yeah, the Bernie Cornhole Yeah, League. the Bernie Cornhole. Yeah, yeah. So Jay loved breweries and he really loved the business of them and how they were evolving and he really saw how they became sort of a community area where you could sort of hang out and get to know each other and that certainly was it for him and Bernie. And he, he loved a good time and he really just wanted to do a fun event that required minimal effort. So he came up with this concept of the Bernie Point 5K. Anchoring sponsors were the Dodging Duck Brew House Amazing. and Cibolo Creek Brew House. And the distance between the two just happens to be about 0.5K. Perfect. And uh, I would tell so the first year he put it on, I, I think everyone just thought it was a, a hoot. He really recruited, dragged his best friend of, um, you know, wayward friends, and they became the board, B-O-R-E-D, of directors. And he really had a couple of firm rules with the Bernie Point 5K, and I'll come back to his rules. But the first year he put it on, he, it happened to be the year that, uh, if you guys remember, there was a Southwest flight that uh, a a door, I, I might get the story wrong, but there was a kind of a tragedy in the air, and the pilot was female, and she safely landed the plane, which was 
sort of unheard of. She was really hailed as a hero that very few pilots would have ever been able to do it. Turns out she was combat trained and military trained. And so when Good Morning America was looking for background information on this female pilot... They, because she lives in Bear Oaks, I think. They, they stumbled upon the Bernie visitors page and the Bernie Point 5K was on there. So live on air, they just got the giggles about it and thought it was absolutely hilarious. And it all of a sudden, Jay was doing radio interviews in France and Canada, all over the country. Our nephews were calling us up in Minnesota saying, Uncle Bird, Uncle Jay, he was on the, on the radio. So, so it was, I think about 11 o'clock at night, somebody called, people started calling, you were on Good Morning America. It was just blowing up, blowing up. And so Jay and I were in bed and, and he already had the registration for the site out there. And he just flipped switches and he said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to develop a package called the Procrastinator's Prize Package that you didn't even, you could pay money and not even come to Bernie and do the event and get a t-shirt and get everything else. And we sold uh, over a thousand of those packets oh by the next day. Runner's Magazine called him the second year of the 0.5K and said we were the fastest selling out race in America. That's amazing. Um, and, uh, and it almost is this intense battle of the wills. The people love doing the race so much. We start getting calls weeks in advance, days begging that people set their alarm, get up early, and they start trying to register for hours to get that spot. Big celebration when they get their spot. But so I come back to Jay's three rules and Jay's rules. And he was very firm with me because I was always trying to edge in and get a little money for Donate Life America, or, you know, help another cause. But he asked the board of directors the first night what he wanted it to be a local charity. He loved Bernie and he wanted it to be a local charity. And one of them volunteered for Bernie's chapter, Blessings in a Backpack. And Blessings in a Backpack packs up, volunteers pack up lunch foods and stick it in backpacks so that children that are on free and reduced lunch can actually eat over the weekend. And of course, that is so helpful. I mean, of course, but to educators, to, to have a kid come to school on Monday that's not starving. Yes. How can a kid con possibly concentrate if they're so hungry? And our, our first budget was, our first year, he set the budget for the board at 2500 and we've never raised under $40,000. That's amazing. What a testament. Yeah, and but for Jay, his rules were, you're going to have a good time. It always had to help blessings in a back, backpack. That nonprofit let Jay be Jay, let it be tongue-in-cheek, really never put any barriers on him. They were just grateful. It had to benefit Bernie. It had to always be branded Bernie point five K when Jay passed. A lot of people wanted to call it the JK. Absolutely not. I will never consider that he would get me for that one. And uh, he was always internally grateful to uh, the Dodging Duck and Sublow Creek for being willing to a donate about a thousand beers and their staff time, but b anchor the event. Well, you're listening to Jennifer Milton tell us her story on. Building Texas on Bernie Radio 103.9. I want to talk about what does that look like for you? I know Jay left us way too early. He had just come to the first Angel Network event. We were just starting to talk about his background at Geekdom and how he had just, I think, exited his company. And life was really in a great place. And so it was, it was incredibly sad. But it also leaves a lot of expectation on you around this event, around the board. And the excitement continues. They're just anxiously waiting. And, and how, how are you doing with that? And how can the community 
lean in and support that in a different way. Thanks. A loaded question. Thanks for the kind words on Jay. He was really one of a kind for sure. And I miss him terribly, but in some ways I I hear him more loudly than I ever did before. Like I can't get away from his advice where I used to squirm out of it, you know, a little bit before. So, you know, the first Bernie point five K at the end of the race, this man came up and, and he gave $5,000 to Jay and he, and he's a very prominent member of Bernie. I think everybody would know who he is and recognize his stately home and the impact he has on here. And he gave it to Jay with tears in his eyes. And he said, when I was a little boy, I stole food uh, to feed my sister. And I just want you to know I, how much I appreciate that you're doing this. And it struck me at that moment of really overall what an affluential community we are in Bernie. And sometimes unspoken is the fact that we have children in Bernie come to school on Monday malnourished. And it was such a powerful moment. And then, you know, last year I had a family come to me. Um, I had someone step up and say, Jennifer, I promise you I'm going to step into Jay's shoes. I can do it for one year. She had left a position as an events coordinator. I'll do it this year so you have an event. Thank goodness, because my job, you can imagine, is, you know, 60, 70 hours a week already. Never kind of I'm on call 24-7 for the last 30 years <laughs> for this job. And so we were incredibly grateful, uh, sold out, and, and just a matter of, you know, just very quickly sold out again. And this family wanted to show me a picture of them with, at, with their child as a baby at the first point five k and how it was their signature event in Bernie, and they loved it as a family, and they never wanted to miss it. And uh, sort of those two things, if you think about them, like, the, the serving of the community in a way that our community really needs it in ways we don't talk about it and we don't see it every day in Bernie, maybe because we're, we're in our own situations and we're doing well. And then two, that that it is a community event. It brings in people. We have a pair of sisters who come every year from Washington State. <laughs> we have a newspaper in France that covers the Bernie Point 5K every year, which just cracks me up. And so it really is a signature event for Bernie. It brings Bernie a lot of attention. I think it brings people in for the weekend, kind of that those people you all want. I don't want them to move here, but I do want them to visit and spend their money here. <laughs> well, even better, they, they sign up for the procrastinator virtual right. entry, and they're right. making an impact in our local community. That's right. That's right. And participating in in a vision that they see. So what we do have is a lot of fantastic, amazing sponsors that have been with us, tried and true, and love the event. We have an unrelentingly passionate race community. Jay called them slackers. And we have a powerful group of slackers that sell out our event every year. A lot of in-kind donations and an incredibly dedicated board. What we're missing is a Jay. We're missing what the board called him the grand poopah. Uh, the sort of the master organizer who could really take this event, which I call it a turnkey signature event, and just kind of orchestrate. Jay, if anybody listening knew Jay, you knew that he was a man of exceptionally detailed checklist. And so he did bequeath me a about a 50-page checklist of how to run the Bernie Point 5K, but I joke and say, but he never told me how to manage having a well at my own house. <laughs> <laughs> Priorities are right in Jay's mind. So so somebody with time who enjoys organizing, who has a passion for the community of Bernie and wants to help kids, I think I'd love to hear from people. And uh, Justin, I'm happy to give you my email. They can reach out to to the radio station and express their interest and have it passed along. But I'm really sort of entertaining people right now that might want to take on that master organizational 
uh, role of just orchestrating the event. I think I would have really liked Jay. I love a checklist. I plan dinners a month in advance and we have the menu on our fridge because that way no one has to ask me what is for dinner. It's right there. Yeah. Now, you you would have enjoyed Jay and his personality. I mean, he was in the room before he was in the room. That's amazing. And I, 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 my hope is that somebody hearing this is somebody that we know, somebody in the network, somebody that's been a part of it year after year because they are if you've been there, you've been there every year, really steps in and sees it as a legacy that really continues to celebrate Jay in that way. Yeah, and we've also thought about maybe there's a another event in Bernie that someone puts on every year and they're looking to draw another 500 people uh, that might have a tie to it and maybe they want to make it a cornerstone event. But the only thing, you know, obviously, you know, I, I can't put too many bumpers on a volunteer uh, but but we do want to keep it true to blessings in a backpack and, and to Jay's kind of uh, leading rules on the race. True to the vision and the bylaws. I mean, That's right. Yeah, you can exp- you can absolutely support that. <laughs> well, I, I've really enjoyed. I, I had no idea the scope of what you do in your work and, and really the national impact that you have. I always knew you through Jay in the community and you were just happy to be there. You were, you were having a great time. Every picture you see, everything that I know and what our mutual friend has shared is, is it's just been a, a celebration for a long time. And, and y'all, y'all were a beautiful couple and, yeah, and how you celebrated that. I, I tell people, I think that happens when you marry your biggest cheerleader. Absolutely. Anything else you want to share about your Bernie experience or what we're sitting here in Das Greenhouse. I failed to mention that we're recording at Das Greenhouse and you know, we we've talked a lot about community. We've talked a lot about the healthcare mm-hmm. innovation groups that we have in San Antonio. And uh, I'll take a minute and just share with you. Uh, we would love to see more founders, entrepreneurs, interesting people making their way into Das Greenhouse and becoming part of our community locally, but in the work that you do in the healthcare systems that we have here in our region that are really innovative and doing incredible things. How can we be a part of celebrating that? And how do we really draw Bernie into that conversation more? Because once you're here, it's hard to go inside 1604. So, Well, and it goes to her point that she was saying earlier, which is, you know, the local community themselves don't recognize the value, the benefit, the impact that our institutions or our startups have. I mean, that's one of the reasons why we went to UT Health for our technology is I don't have to compete with Bayer or Johnson & Johnson. Name any of the major huge pharma or med device companies on our IP. They're not here. So I get the pick of the litter and, and, you know, that's amazing for a founder. And, you know, it shows when we go compete with competitors who have gotten their technology at MIT or Harvard. Yes, you have that very impressive name. You didn't get the A book. (laughs) So, and we did. So head to head technology wise, it's, you know, a no brainer. I, I think I'd have to answer this from Jay's point of view. And I think all he would say is keep up the good work and don't give up the good work. And you know, his company that he founded nine years ago has really been transformative for the healthcare organizations that adopted it, a software quality platform and uh, and kind of an outcomes predictive modeling. And uh, I, it's so proud. Even uh, yesterday, I talked to a transplant program who was using it. And so power of his company really came from uh, geekdom. And when he joined Geekdom and he, he was, he just didn't want to work at home. He kind of wanted a, a co-oping and, and they were bringing 
together, you know, different, just people in all different whites, walks of life and had totally different ideas. And they would have some, some social events where they could all just kind of brainstorm. And suddenly we had a whole marketing platform. Suddenly we had a whole new uh, way to do coding and squid instead of R that was a much more beautiful user experience. And that all happened just by bringing incredibly talented minds together. And it, it's so exciting to see that something along those lines is opening up in our community. When I look at the caliber of the brain trust that's driving every day right on I-10 with me to get into San Antonio and work and others that, you know, are working remotely here in Bernie, it's, it's really astounding. And um, I, I love what you're doing and I love that you're networking it. And I just know Jay would have embraced it completely because that's really how he took an idea to a vision. Summer calls them purposeful collisions. And we've already had so many of them in the first two months of being open. We found entrepreneurs and founders that are out here making an impact. They're selling globally and they're selling out of wearing or, and they were just looking for a community or a place to come in and find support and like-minded people. You might be doing something different, but there's a way that we can share those lessons and, and learn from them. And, and I'll say my vision of this all started at Geekdom as well, down on Houston Street. But what I saw missing was our brain trust, our community. I'm thrilled Jay was down there, but it's a commitment to be there at seven o'clock at night, eight o'clock at night, downtown San Antonio, and then commute home. So when we can do it more locally, I think my hope is that we see a lot of participation and we find great minds that just want to come in and make an impact. And so far, that's that's the story that we're seeing play out. I think it would be really fun to do an incubator day where people from Geekdom came out here and people from Das Greenhouse went to Geekdom. You know, thanks for mentioning that. We have the Texas Venture Crawl on October 6th, and there's over 10 communities around Texas, Frisco, Midland, Brownsville, McAllen, San Antonio, Kerrville, where incubators exist or where the, the idea of an incubator exists and they want to go into that. We didn't know anything about it until uh, JP Morgan Chase introduced me some people out of Austin. And they're like, we didn't know y'all were doing this, but you're doing it really well. Let's come talk about it. And so part of that vision is people from Kerrville coming down to see what we're doing. And we'll send some people from here to Kerrville to see what they're doing. Same with Geekdom. Charles is the CEO of Geekdom's come out here and he's, very complimentary of the work that we're doing and a great partner and support. And he appreciates that San Antonio is that big little town. You have to be committed to make the 45 or two hour drive downtown, depending on traffic. It's, it's interesting. You asked me earlier about, you know, what the role of, uh, where what, was there any role or, or were there any barriers to the role of big data, big mm -hmm. analytics? And I see parallels in that you have these amazing things happening in San Antonio, things I told you about our transplant program and what's happening there and, and, and research and education awareness is still our primary problem and giving people opportunity. And you have this amazing thing happening here. And I watched it, as I said, transform an idea to this incredible vision that's changed the pathway for these, these big academic medical centers in the country that Jay developed. But if people don't know you're here, so that's still just a, a basic human issue, getting that word out, spreading the word. and But I think that networking is so powerful, and you build it, they will come. Well, that's our hope, and, and we appreciate you joining us today on Building Texas because our goal and our vision with this, and, and Summer and I have shared this for a while, is how do we make it more visible? 
how do we get it beyond the local paper? And even then, the local paper is not always telling the stories of the Bernie Point 5K or the amazing work Jennifer Milton's doing. So we love this platform and the commitment from Bernie Radio to do this for, for a long time to really highlight our stories. We have incredible people. You talk about going to a brewery and being with your friends. It's an interesting lens to go to a brewery and look around and know the work that all these people have done all day. And then they're coming down and hang out with you at Free Rome or at Tusculum. And they're just people. But they may have helped execute several organ donations today. Right. You know, that's, you never know in, in our community that it's really special to see who can be sitting at the table with you or, or who's really ready to mentor you, ready to step in with you. And there's somebody in the community that could help you. What a spot on observation about Bernie. Love it to death for that very reason. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being here today. And um, I'm excited to take you on a tour. Every week you'll learn more about what's being built so that you can understand the vision, find helpful resources, and know how to get involved. Take the opportunity today to reach out to Amy at the Economic Development Corporation and learn more about how we're going out and talking about our community in a broader conversation. This is Building Texas, where we sit down with the most interesting people who are making an impact locally and statewide. Join us every Saturday at 9.30, right here on Bernie Radio. This is Justin McKenzie from Building Texas. Today's segment is brought to you by Das Greenhouse. Das Greenhouse is a business incubator launched here in Bernie to serve our local community. Das Greenhouse is a place where you can come to grow your idea. Our goal is to make Bernie accessible to people who are looking to grow a business, expand a business, or learn more about what's out there in their community and get involved. Visit us at dasgreenhouse.org or come visit us at 7 Upper Balconies Road, Bernie, Texas. Das Greenhouse.